Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. That is the name of the show. My name is Shane Told. I am your host, just like always, as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers. Today's date is April 22nd, 2020. Oh, it's been a pretty shit year so far, hasn't it? Oh, and it's crawling by. But not to worry. We have a very, very awesome podcast this week. It's a long one. Tim Barry, the guy's a legend, formerly of Avail. Well, currently of Avail, I guess. I mean, they're they just played a show like the last day you could. So I think Avail, you know, they're still a thing. He's around doing all of his solo stuff, which he's been doing for a very long time. He is as candid as it gets, talking about getting through this whole thing. And for a little context, this conversation was recorded March 24th, I believe. So just about four weeks ago. And it really is interesting to see, you know, at that time where we were at, you know, it was a bit panicky. Now things have maybe leveled off a little bit, but it is really, really interesting to know just how much all of this stuff has changed. So yeah, get ready for a good episode. And uh, yeah, you got some time to kill? This is a good spot. We got a nice, nice long one for you today. If you want to get in touch with me, you sure can. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my email and I get back to most of y'all. And feel free to add me on social media as well at Shane Told, at Leadsingersyn, at Leadsingersyndrome, depending on your platform. Yeah, just search. We're on there somewhere. And if you want to support the show, I could really use your help, and the best way to do that is to check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That is your ticket to get a whole bunch of bonus episodes, bonus content, interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, and if you don't care about that stuff, if you just want to help out, hey, that is your spot. For as little as $6 a month, that gets you in, it gets you all that stuff and more. Please check it out. By going to this link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Shout out to all my sinners worldwide. I was trying to figure out if we have somebody in all 50 states. We don't. We're missing a few. So if you're from any weird states, join just so I can can reach this goal I have. I don't know why it's a goal. But um, we got somebody from Rhode Island just uh, like a week ago. And I was like, oh, Rhode Island, sick. It's our first roadie. I don't know if that's what you call people from Rhode Island, roadies, but that's what I'm calling them. That's what they're called now. Anyway, yes, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. It is important for me to keep this thing going and coming at you with great guests like Lauv last week and Tim Barry this week. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Anyway, I guess that's all for this intro. Let's get into it. My conversation with the almighty Tim Barry.
glad you called. I need to sit the fuck down for a second. Stop <laughs> doing what I'm doing. Oh, well, what a time to be alive, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how you, no how, fucking, go, no go ahead. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Where are you calling from, by the way? I am calling you from uh, Windsor, Ontario, which is just outside oh, Detroit. Yeah, I know Windsor. I like Windsor. Yeah. Suburbs. I've been there. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's a really weird city because it's it's in Canada, and it's kind of like a suburb of Detroit, but it's in like it's its own thing. Like it's got its own city and downtown and stuff, but it's it's in a different country, which is I know it's super weird. I played there once. What is the venue there? It's like in a basement. Oof, I don't know. It's, I don't know. So I many have shut down. Once. Sorry, I've only been here for like a year anyway, so I'm I'm mm. not you know super well versed in the history of punk rock you know or anything here but well what do i, I when, when i was there this about i don't remember maybe eight or nine years ago now what my favorite memory as you say detroit um is that you, you know you just cross the bridge and it's a different country and it's a huge pain in the ass to bring anything across and you need right. a license and business license and you got to claim your merchandise and all this stuff and i remember the opening group whoever we played with they were American, and, and they rolled in, went downstairs into, like, the little backstage and just started pulling off a 100 T-shirts off of their own bodies. Like, each of them was layered <laughs> with, like, a dozen shirts each. You know, like, um, the smallest person clearly had, like, the extra smalls, smalls to mediums on, and then her jacket on. <laughs> so, it's like, everybody's got to hustle. That's I, ridiculous. Know, I thought that was very endearing. I um, saw a band but, do but that. bizarre that we all have to go through that, that kind of nonsense. I know. But, I saw a band do that once trying to get on an airplane with their bags overweight so they uh sorry i hear some shuffling around you okay yeah there oh yeah go. i'm dude i'm sorry i'm unloading groceries oh okay of course no problem i'm, I'm putting the i'm putting the, the perishables in the refrigerator and freezer <laughs> okay. as as we're speaking because like everyone i'm stocking the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> that's all right man uh i can i can make it work but no um what I was saying was there was some band, I forget who it was as well, but they were putting all their T-shirts on to save overweight baggage. And once yes. the airline agent saw them doing that, the airline agent was just like, whatever, just just put the bag on the goddamn scale. Who cares? You know, <laughs> but, you know uh, what we used to do when I was in a veil in the, the very old days, you know, like around the Civil War, the American Civil War, <laughs> that's how long ago it was, but... What we would do is like we had this hustle where we would shell all of our drums. So the bass drum uh, case would actually have all of the drums. Like the hardware would be oh, stripped, yeah. but right. we'd shell it. And we'd roll up to the airport. I'm just going to give you this example. I mean, we brought all of our equipment. Back then, you could take two guitars and duct tape the cases together. Yeah, and we, make still, that one we actually second. still do that. Yeah. You can still do that. Yeah, well, so sometimes we they, would, get, they get mad about it. We started putting them in like canvas bags, but. No, no. Duct taping the cases together was classic way to save a classic. bag for sure. Totally. But we would take the drums and, you know, I would like schmooze the agent and Bo, my bandmate Bo, would put the drums up on the scale and then he would put his foot under it to <laughs> yeah. adjust the weight and it totally worked. It totally it does work. all the damn time. And, and he would, it was like our thing and I'd be all like, 
you know, feigning some sort of problem or something like that, or, or just being super friendly and he'd be hustling on the other side. Yeah, I know. Any, any dollar you can save. No, that's so true. In fact, now at the Toronto airport, cause I usually fly out of there, they have these automatic ones where like you don't have to, like there's no agent to when they weigh your bags. And that's the best because it totally works to uh, to do the foot trick. It does work. No wow. one's no one's watching you. Yeah, and this is and this is 2019. Although and now you can now you can fly for free. <laughs> what, fuck me, dude! It is. Let's talk about that. So I, I like to make a reference of the date. It's today is March 24th. Uh, it's important because this shit changes so rapidly. You know, we could talk about something today that isn't relevant. In, t- in a week and certainly wasn't a week ago. Um, but how are you holding up right now? Just obviously, you know, the big show in Chicago with the veil was canceled. Your solo dates, uh, I believe some of them were canceled, right? Yeah. They, I mean, I mean, to recap, we, we're, we're talking about if it's March 24th, we're talking about it, it was maybe what a, a month ago that the first coronavirus case showed up in Seattle. Right. And in, and so within this month, the entire country, the the entire place, including Canada, Windsor, Ontario, we, we have seen our lives change so rapidly. And as you say, um, you know, nearly moment by moment, because if there's a press conference, it can change everything that you're doing in a second. And I'll give you an example without a veil show. Um, but, but so here we are on March 24th and this pandemic that the world health organization finally labeled it is out of fucking control. And there is anyone who's listening to this, who lives out in the country feel blessed because (laughs) us city folks right now are, are, are all wishing that we had a house out in the mountains or out in uh, Bent Creek, Virginia or Norwood or <laughs> right. somewhere other than a city that, like Richmond, Virginia, that's grown 30,000 new people within the last 10 years. Um, so March 24th, here we are. Like anyone who plays music is totally fucked. Anyone involved with the arts is totally screwed. Yep. Um, the big news here is, you know, all the restaurants are shut down. The breweries are shut down. The venues are shut down. Uh, they're enforcing real hardcore enforcing the no gatherings of 10 people, including outside that right. was announced today oh, down yeah. at the river where I live. Um, there's hordes and hordes and hordes of 20 and 30 year olds going down there. Thousands. And, um, it's just incredible. Like looking out my window, I'm watching people sharing joints and passing bottles around and having sex in their cars. And Man. it's like, it's at, it's like nothing's going on. But, you know, it's just, you know, those who are feel invincible behave in ways that are different from those who don't. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, so, why people, so many people are still doing that. I mean, I guess they're like, you can just say they're young, stupid kids or whatever, but I don't know. No, it's, it, no I don't think it's that. I think just, you know, people process things differently. Yeah. Um, you know, like, there's an, oh, no one wants their life to stop. You know, like we all want the same things. We all want to be happy. We all want to be healthy, you know, and priorities are different for different people. And I guess the people who've been congregating sort of by my house are just, you know, the vacation is going to end. Right. Everyone, no one's working. No one's going to school. 
But when the money runs out, the vacation's over, right? When the liquor stores close <laughs> and your your weed seller is run out of stock, or if you're if you're shuttered and you have addiction problems and you start back up, things there's so many dynamics and parameters to this situation. So here we are on March 24th and there's like a million levels we can go into. And I got a note that like, I've been offline for maybe nine days now. I popped on to like, to uh, announce some canceled shows, but I've been offline intentionally. So whenever I got back from Chicago, I've been offline and I'll look at the calendar. But so my knowledge of like current events are pretty, staggered i guess is the point but so i went up to philadelphia on um march 6th and 7th i stayed at the hilton downtown um one of the women who works with me her partner was coming so we got like a fancy hotel to make it a better okay more interesting experience so we could walk to the venues it was two shows that were sold out at the uh boot and saddle yeah they sold out maybe a month in advance something like that and i always noticed that like when she, I like playing only small venues, so I'll do two shows in, in one city at, at, at the small, same small venue two nights in a row. And so what I've noticed when I've done that before is like at the last minute, um, people's plans change and they dump tickets, right? Like, you know, they're trying to trade tickets or sell sure. tickets or give tickets away. And man, I went online right before those shows. So at the beginning of the month and people were dumping tickets giving them away like crazy. Really? Um, and so the shows are fantastic, but it felt weird. It felt like we were doing something wrong. I, I That was the first time I'd scrubbed hmm. down the hotel room. Um, and let's just say the venue's 200 capacity. Um, each sold out night. I'd say there was 100 people there, right? Crazy. And so, and so many... Many weeks before that, I started sort of getting this red flag in my brain of like traveling and things like that. So I set my own precautions and had canceled all of my plane tickets for March and the beginning of April, rented a car as an alternative um, wow. and just started considering sort of like different ways to approach things. I started um, collecting items. Uh, this is about five or six weeks ago. I started collecting collecting items that could help me harvest protein um uh started stocking up on canned food getting rice beans things that i knew that would run out if it did get bad and all things that i could like assimilate into my diet right or into my daily life if things didn't get bad so like no harm no foul and so i started doing that and then then so I did those two shows in Philly, and then let me look at the calendar. It was like a quick turnaround. Lindsay and I came home, and then Lindsay was helping me on the road. And then so yeah, that was the fifth yeah, and sixth. And so and so um, on the eleventh of March, I start the the thir- you know thirteen hour drive by myself from Richmond to Chicago. Um, and on the road, it's one of my favorite, you know, paths to take. I took 64 mm-hmm. up into Huntington, West Virginia, and then cut up through the Ohio Valley and around Indianapolis. I got kind of phased out and got a hotel room. And 
that drive was was awful. Like it's something that I usually love, but I was listening to like all the local radio stations, and it was like right. Morehead, Morehead, Kentucky. Four cases. Uh, churches are are shut down for the next two weeks. Um, you know, uh, the college is out, and I'm just like wow. And then I cross into Ohio, and the governor is like putting a ban on non essential travel, and right. And I was just like, and, and you know, as I'm going through, it wasn't big cities. This thing is going to affect all of us. It wasn't big cities. It was every town. It was everywhere. And so I get to Chicago, and I'm just like, we're, I just said to everybody, I was like, we're like, we shouldn't be here. The right. rest of the band's blue. And so we're sitting in the backstage with the guys in Dillinger 4. So wait, this is on the day of the show? So now we're the day. So I get into town, right. and then the day of the day of the show, right? March twelfth. Yeah, March twelfth. We're playing this really big show, and I'm sitting in the backstage with um, the guys in Dillinger Four, and we're all talking. And some of the guys in Avail just not really thinking that this, you know, the thing is the coronavirus is much of a thing. And then some of the guys are more like preppers, like myself, right? And then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody, a band is a great scenario of like all of society in, in one. And so it was interesting to watch, like, you know, I'm like kind of staying away from people and then other people are hugging and having fun. And Tim Shaw, who's tour managing, comes back after soundcheck and says, the governor of Illinois is going to do a speech, uh, you know, make a, um, a statement at five o'clock. Oh, boy. And I was like, all right. I was like, you know, the show can't get shut down. Yeah, I'm sure he would. He would say like, you know, this is a Thursday. I, I'm sure he would say tomorrow at noon, no more gatherings of this size or that size. And Tim Shaw said, no, no, the governor of New York made it instant. And I was like, oh, all right. So he sat there, just talking, and just sort of everybody doing their own thing. And then at six fifty-seven, right before doors, um, the venue was like shows off. And what wow. the mayor, the governor, had done was made it any any uh, gathering over a thousand people and i guess we had like 910 tickets sold and there could have been walk-ups obviously you get over 100 walk-ups on a thing like that but how many fucking people would have come anyway like those are tickets bought way in advance so here we are then i canceled i started canceling shows before i started canceling my own shows on the way to chicago right right and then you thought maybe you'd get one one maybe get it in but i i feel like was it every time i die was playing the metro was it the same night yep they played and they played but even they had to go like they i think they took a bit of shit for it too because they were like or maybe it wasn't them it was more like the venue was trying to like because metro is like a thousand cap but they had a guest list so then they had to like turn people away like with a line or something like that they had to do something weird to make it happen and i mean it's hard. I mean, every band is relying on these last couple shows to make ends meet for God knows how long. So I don't. Right. I don't. Also, I don't. Mean, no I get it, can, man. There's no way you can judge a band for a decision um, that's pushed upon them by a venue in a situation that nobody knows where it's going. Right. You don't know if we're being alarmist. Um, yeah. And it's also sort of like uh, it's also like. Uh, it's you, we can't consider that everyone has the knowledge that we have of something. You know what I mean? Like um, some bands, you know, don't give a fuck. But here we are. There's no harm, no foul. If they yep. played and we didn't, that's just how it fucking goes. And they didn't do anything wrong. 
And now we know that we should all take a break and take a step back. And now we do a thing that's socially responsible and make sure that we don't encourage big gatherings, right? So, but so now what? So I am. Now what? I am. I hate this title, but I am a dad with two daughters. And the epitome of a working class musician. Right. I do everything on my own. I have my friend Margie is my booking agent. My friend Vanessa helps me set up interviews that I usually say no right. to. <laughs> Hi, Vanessa. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I can't get unemployment. Right. Because I'm self-employed. And so a restaurant, say, fires all their employees in a situation like this so they can get unemployment and then rehires them when it comes back but will restaurants come back will small businesses come back will everybody just get used to being detached and doing things online will people feel comfortable of this era getting into what i prefer which is a a small small show yeah yeah that creates a, a, a critical mass and like um sort of like a a, a real c- common bond in a room. Like, um, do, will people be willing to do that? Uh, do, do the basement punk shows just fade out? Do the massive, you know, 1100 people packed into the Metro and Chicago shows feel safe anymore. Do people hug? Do people give handshakes? Right. Do people hoard food? Like, do, do people buy bullets? Do people buy more guns? So you got, there's like all these different elements, all these parameters, as I keep saying. And so like, that's the real thing. I went to the hunting store. There's so few bullets left. Why? Because, because to a layman, when the state announces that they're not adding any new prisoners, that means transfers from jail. Right. But into the brains of people who don't understand that, they think, that it's anarchy and people can do whatever they want. And then a week later when they say that police officers are no longer arresting people for nonviolent offenses in the city, that's a green light right. for people who are, want mischief. And then when, when the newspaper, they shouldn't announce that stuff. And then when the newspaper comes out with an article saying that one of the coronavirus cases in the city is a police officer who just came back from New York and developed it from being there. And then that whole precinct is going to get quarantined. Right. And so that's why there's no bullets because the party's over when the money runs out and then people have to get by and how are they going to get by in an urban setting? And so everybody buys the bullets and everybody buys the guns and everything gets so crazy. This is by far history in the making and one of the strangest things I've ever lived for right now. I'm Hell finishing yeah. up yet another book. I'm a history nerd. And again, I'm not looking at the TV and I'm not reading the internet and all that. And man, I am reading and finishing maybe my third book in, in a row of uh, the siege of Richmond during the civil war. In the hysteria, the mass hysteria, the the, the 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 mixed signals from the powers that be, the lack of guidance on a national level, 
Um, yeah. The, 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 the famine, the running out of every resource, it, it's all there. It's, it, you know, in the end, if you study history, then Richmond burns. Um, <laughs> but it's well, like, it, I don't know. I mean, and then you go back to it. Like we have no clear, I don't, I'm not going to talk about Canada. I'm, I can, cause I'm uh, American, but you know, the, our national leadership is failing us. If they, they're saying that they'll, they'll, they're going to compensate us $1,000, if you live in the city of Richmond, average two-bedroom apartment costs 1500 a month just yeah. for the rent. So fuck your $1,000 fucking uh, please vote for me bullshit. And, and no matter what party line you you stand on, that's absurd. It is. That, that but what, are they, but what else are they going to do? That's the problem. What else are they right? going to do? What is anyone going to so, do? It's that's the. What is anyone going to do? So yeah. my kids are not going to school until the school's out for the rest of the year. Absolutely no one's working. My brother-in-law does landscaping. He's the only one working. Uh, I have a friend who is a postal carrier. He's working. Um, my sister teaches violin. She's doing that via internet right. right now. Do you know, like, um, but yeah, so my money will run out. And so all I can ask is like people buy my shirts and stuff, but that will run out and right. I won't have the assets to <laughs> buy more. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's insane. And then at the same time, I'm hoarding extra food cause I have two parents that are very old and you know, like, and, and so I, I got to run food to them or I will run food to them if they need. Um, it, when I say that they're very old, they, they are, they are young, um, in mind and young and, and healthy sure. yeah. in mind, but, but of the age that this yeah. could really affect, um, and they need to be looked after. Yeah. Same um, with my parents, man. My dad's going to be 75 this year. So he's right in that. You know, that's about, we're about the same. Yeah. My parents are about the same age. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's scary. That, that shit's really scary. Yeah, for real. And, you know, thankfully they're, they're proactive and smart yeah. um, and laying low as fuck. And it, so here's what I did today, March 24th. Today, I don't, today my daughters are with their mother, which thankfully lives, she lives eight blocks away. And I get the impression that we're on the same page with um staying low key yes. as fuck. Yes we are. And 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 she is, thankfully as well. And luckily we can walk the girls between the two houses with without any real social disruptions because it's and I'm very thankful to live in a detached house. Even though it's nine hundred square feet, it's detached. <laughs> yeah. Um but here's what I did today. I got up and I ran eight miles like I like to do. And I need needed to do that to clear my fucking head because yeah. I haven't slept in a really long time. No one else has. The anxiety that I'm dealing with is a, is a universal thing. Cleared my head, felt pretty good. And I have some cash stashed and I just spent it all at, at three grocery stores. And I always say zig when they zag. So when I go to the rich people grocery store, there's a ton of essentials that aren't aren't available, and I notice that the people here walking around, maybe with gloves on, you know, the people at that one was walking around with gloves on, and then I go to the one that's sort of like 
you know, like poor, but poorer organ class people go yep. to, and a lot of other stuff is available, and everybody's wearing masks and gloves. It was interesting. And then, then I go to the family dollar or dollar general to get the last couple things. And, and there we go. There's all my money. <laughs> Damn. But my kids and I are going to be taken care of. Well, I mean, I good. got money for the mortgage and stuff, but, and you know what? I also stocked up on things like chicken livers to catch catfish and oh, make right. sure all my, make sure all my fishing gear is all good because right now we're blessed with the shad run and the white perch are up and the striped bass are up. And, you know, there's a lot of protein in that way. There you go. Well, damn, dude. Well, I, I mean, it's, it is a scary time. Are you, I mean, in terms of your, you know, solo stuff and stuff with a veil, is there any talk of, you know, doing some live streams or, or what's that, a stage it or one of those like things you can, you know, at least perform music to someone? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a good question. Um, uh, Avail, I, I can't speak for Avail because we're not really connected in the way that we once were. And I don't even think that we could get everybody together to do something like that. But right. Or if that's my, even responsible I'm, to even do that. Well, right? Yeah. I mean, possibly right. there's a lot of, there's a hundred thousand kids connected to all of our, our families. And you know, that's a lot of people, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Like, so my first goal after getting through today of shopping <laughs> is, is always to just, look after my kids and once i yeah. feel like i've had a little stability here i'm going to go ahead and do some sales on my store and and i will probably look into the online um performances i probably would be fairly spontaneous about maybe doing them on instagram is stage it actually still doing stuff i i don't know i i've never i've just heard of the platform i've never like went to the site or anything I, I just know it's a thing i don't know yeah but, and then but i know i used to do stage at shows oh, okay I, I kind of they kind of fizzled out but um and then i guess there's facebook live but i'll do some stuff it sounds you know i got i heard a lot of people are doing all kinds of interesting performances and now there's actually like shows which are you know like you know like like a normal show runs or a festival so hell yeah right um i hope people come in real life <laughs> i know again. i, I, I know I, that's I, the that's the fear. That's the fear, right? That it's going to change everything. It will. Well, you know, we we are humans are great at acclimating to changes. I think most of us are, at least. Well, then again, there. Whenever they were a teenager and early twenty-something uh, or that, that was the best time of their life, which is utter bullshit. Because tomorrow and right now is much better. But um, it, I don't know. You know, like. I think we're going to be good at acclimating no matter what. Um, Jesus. Oh, I just I really, I can't wait to get on the other side of this um, for all of us. <laughs> I think it's really important that everyone keeps in mind to like keep their heads up the best that we can, because this is really the most kind of all in together thing that I've ever seen in my life. And don't be afraid to be afraid. And yeah. don't be afraid to, to talk to people when you need to. Don't be afraid to smile also, you know? Yeah. 
don't, yeah. don't, don't be afraid because it's not just you who's waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep. It's not just you that's having trouble eating. It's not that you, just you who's stressed about making sure they have all their medicine or their, their yeah. kids are taken care of. It's not just you who's terrified about going into massive debt because it's all of us and we're just going to have to figure this out. Damn, dude. Okay, well, let's talk about some other stuff. Um, so it was a year ago this week you announced the available return to play in your show at the National. Um, I mean, I know that it was a year ago. It probably feels like 100 years ago with, at this point. Um, were you surprised at the demand? I mean, how it expanded to two nights and then you did you know, the other shows, the festivals. Were you surprised that so many people cared after it had been so long? Yeah, I mean... I- Yes, I think we were all very taken aback and and sort of like it was really exciting. Um, yeah, you know, in the music business, things are really cool. <laughs> we had that first date, and you know, at the National here in Richmond, Virginia, uh, held, and then we had the date held the next day, and we also held the venues that were smaller um, around town just to see how that first one would go. Yeah, but um, so like a little history on it is Avail is my old band, and 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 after uh, ceasing, maybe I can't remember two thousand six or something like that. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yep. Two thousand seven. Um, we 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 decided after all that time to do a couple, a couple, couple three shows, not too many, and they kind of doubled what we uh the original idea was doubled in, in number but um so we scheduled a show in richmond virginia and announced that the tickets would be on sale i think it was on a friday at 10 a.m i was out fishing i had my phone off <laughs> and and when i t- got back on the phone i'd found out that the that people had bought uh, and it sold out in under 10 seconds. It's like the only way that they could, <laughs> Wow! They could, they could manage it. And like when they, when they analyzed it, when I got on the computer, there was like this sort of hysteria um, uh, about robots buying the tickets right, and that scalpers yeah. were selling them and this and that. And, um, you know, it's funny when you say things and then you think, wow, this is like 2020, and did I just say something that's offensive? And then you think, scalpers may not be exactly the word that I don't I know. Be using. I, I mean, <laughs> it's funny when these things, you know, people, people, I learn something new every day. People encourage me to learn things new. And it's possible that I shouldn't use that word, and I'll, I'll refrain from it from now on. But <laughs> I have no idea. If, if it's, I don't know if that's <laughs> offensive. Um, I don't know. I, I, people I mean, who would I'd... resell the ticket. It was alleged that people who would resell right. the tickets um, would were the ones who purchased it. So what we did um, was had our manager and the local booking agent and uh, whatever aggregate sold the tickets uh, to go through and make sure that there wasn't multiple tickets bought from the same accounts. Right. And there wasn't. It was like it was you legit. Know, the limit. It was legit. It was legit. So. So, I mean, for people to think that a band that had traveled for 20 years and broke up and 
play a 1200 city in their hometown couldn't sell it out. I think and it, ha- and it had to blame it on right. something else is kind of, I don't know. It's belittling. <laughs> no, it is. But, it is but belittling. The fact that yeah. it sold, but the fact that it sold out in 10 seconds is unprecedented. And you got to understand that like a veil toward, uh, toward incessantly and played every tiny little fucking town, even to only 20 people or 10 people. I remember playing Little Rock one time to 11 people or playing Birmingham, Alabama to yeah. three people, you know, like that kind of thing. But I guess what we didn't realize is that, that the band made an impact yeah. on those three people. And then they all came, and everybody came out in force. So here's where it gets really exciting, I think, for all of us. Hang on one second. Sure. Sometimes I just need some orange juice. Um, <laughs> so here's where it gets really exciting. And and what we also found in looking at the statistics of the ticket sales was that many of the people who bought them were not Virginians mm. where we live here. And we realized that whatever happened with the algorithm, like maybe too many people in central Virginia flooded it at the same time as up that network i don't know anything about computers so i'm just making shit up but um so what we did was we put tickets on sale second show at the national a 1200 capacity venue in person and it i was on my way to the studio that morning recording my newest solo album and my daughters were with me and we drove by the national and i couldn't fucking believe it yeah i mean it was a line a mile long. Oh my god! Wow. And um, and so that show sold out twelve hundred people in person, and left like three hundred people without tickets that were out there. And I think here's the coolest part about it: is first and foremost, this sort of phenomenon ha- happened to avail, but I think it could have happened to a lot of bands who meant a lot, meant something to a lot of people, and and. I think again, like it's it, it happened to avail, but, it, but there's a lot of bands that are really special to a lot of people, and I think the greatest part about the decisions that were made regarding the second show being tickets being sold in person is that was the actual reunion, right? Because because here was you know 800 people hanging around, all talking to each other all getting to know each other, seeing friends they haven't seen in 15 years, seeing friends that they haven't seen in 20 years, um, just reconnecting. Like that was like, so was cool. like the coolest celebration ever. So cool. And that's where it really started. And um, yeah, it was to me, you know, the show almost became, I almost, I almost feel like the shows were that continued that reunion and that's, um, getting back together. I think that the music was secondary. We we're background, you know, it, these people mean. were so, so excited to, to get together well, again. So, well, you, and so it was a really neat thing and we kind of doubled the amount of shows that we were going to do. And that cool. was that. It's awesome. I, I unfortunately didn't get to check it out. I hope I get another chance. Um, you were very outspoken about the band never getting back together. Um, what changed? Yeah. Um, well, and foremost, I reserved the right to change my opinion whenever the 
fuck I want. And <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, that's the that's the other thing. I don't want to get too off track, and, but with like with politics, when someone says, "Oh, that well, you said in 1985 this," it's like, yeah. So what? Like, isn't it good to change your opinion on something? I don't. Yeah, I, don't I, I don't understand. I that. love if, learning new things. Right. <laughs> so here's the thing: is whenever I've said that about not getting together, I meant it. Because yeah. at that moment, that's how it felt. More orange juice. Um, but here's what happened. The 20-year anniversary of the Vales record over the Jane popped into my psyche. And um, kind of, I don't know, not the best place to live with two kids in this apartment over near Black Marble Hole Street here in Richmond. And, um, and, uh, that 20 year anniversary came and I put the record on. Okay. My good friend Curtis Grimstead bought it for me because <laughs> I didn't have any of the Avail stuff. Well, and I know I you don't, you, you've said before you don't years. really, you said before you don't really listen to your own music. So. No, I don't. Oh, Joint or something. Sorry. I lost, and, I lost and, it for a second. Can you start over? There you go. I got you now. Um, so I'm in this apartment and my buddy Curtis had bought me the, the over the James record on yep. vinyl yep. and I didn't have the girls and I probably smoked a joint or something because <laughs> it's probably a Sunday or whatever. Cause it's like my junk food Sunday is what I call it. You can do anything you want to yourself. Um, and, and I put the fucking record on and it was so good. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, what the fuck? This record's awesome. I was like, what I thought was, wow, this is kind of timeless. And that you got to understand that's a, I don't, I don't say that shit about things I'm involved in. And a, a veil was collectively wrote and you realize it's like, we all kind of shined at this moment. Like, right. I don't know how it happened and it was pretty incredible. And then that's kind of got my brain ticking. And then I was over in Europe and, uh, and, uh, some peers of mine were like, man, you know, you got to remember that like, it ain't all about you. It's not about your needs. And that that music saved a lot of people's lives, including ours. Right. And there's a lot of people like us who think you should just get it over yourself. <laughs> there you go, right? For sure. And that was a really cool thing, like to to be encouraged to stop being a self centered motherfucker. <laughs> um, in in like and be like, yeah, it isn't all about you, and you can do things. Um, you know that you planned on not doing, and that's really that's what got the seed going. And then, um, yeah. And then, then I just then we then we had a meeting and decided to do a handful of shows, and we did them. And then, you know, like I, I've said this before, and I mean it. Like, um, it's not going to last forever. Like, we're not back together for good. So, it, you know, if you liked Avail or like Avail or you're new to it, then um, you know, come if there's a show announced. Once we get through, once we all get through what we're going through now. Yeah, there's a show announced come because yeah. you know it's you don't know when it you know we all have lives so getting back of it. it's summer it's hot outside i know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio and personally i love to grab a refreshing miller high life miller high life is unpretentious high quality and is there to celebrate the wins of every day Big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. 
It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles, either in an iconic glass bottle or for this summer in limited edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and Map My Fitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. So getting together, getting back in a room, I assume you just turned up the amps and jammed. I mean... it must be such a different environment for what you've been used to for the last whatever, however long you've been doing, 12 years, let's just say, um, you know, you've been doing stuff on your own. First of all, did it just all come back? Like, was there muscle memory and you just remembered shit and you were surprised? And also, how about singing like that? Because obviously that's a very different vocal style for what you do now. Yeah, it's those are good questions. I can only answer it for myself with the motor memory and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the main thing with my solo music is that although I do have people accompany me, um, not very, not very often these days, like my sister will, will play with me. She plays violin or like Josh Small or Andrew Ali. Um, the majority of the time I'm in complete control. Right. Uh, cause it's just me and an acoustic guitar. And I'll give you some quick examples of like what I mean by control. Like if, if I feel like it, I can make it quiet. Right. If I feel like it, I can play it faster. If I exactly. feel like pushing a line harder, I can slow it down and yes. do that. If you and look so down I'm, at the set list and go, eh, I'm going to skip that song, you can do that. Yep. Right? And, <laughs> or, if I, or if I decide that the set list doesn't feel like the crowd, I can just completely do whatever I want. Exactly. Um, so it, it's the control. Uh, it's like complete control. But I'm lucky because I sing every night. You know, like, and right. I do not approach folk music uh, like like the great Amy Lou Harris. I approach it like a punk rocker. I, I I approach it in a very abrasive way. So the singing itself, um, thankfully, like 
it's the same power. I cool. guess is the point. Cool. But because but I mean, I listen right, to old but, those old Avail records, and then I listen to your new records, and like you sound different. But I think that's just maybe you've um, just gotten oh, better, and you just like probably do a lot more takes than you did in 1996 or whatever. You know? No, no, it's actually opposite. I oh, did really? More takes with Avail. It's age. Okay. I mean, if you listen to the first Avail record, I sound like like a ten year old. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking crazy. No, it's age. In fact, when I record now. The engineer I work with, he gets two or three takes of each song. If if he doesn't get it, then the song isn't released. I won't do it, and I play them live. So what you're listening to, like if you listen to, say, my new record, it's me with a guitar in a room with the engineer getting like two or three takes. I won't do a song more than that that many times. So that's live. That's how I sound. And that's because I'm, I'm a different person. Um than I was when, yeah. you know, like when Avail started. Yeah. So, uh, um, so getting into the practice room with Avail, like, uh, I think I was on the road or something when they started. Avail didn't fuck around in the old days and, and, and clearly doesn't fuck around now. We practiced five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, and, when we decided to do these shows, that's the schedule we jumped back into. The band Iron Reagan yeah. lent, secretly lent us their practice space. And and um, we and so I think man, I must have been on the road or something. But the first week they were in there, the rest of the guys. And then I came in and was like, dude, I haven't heard these songs like, in so long. And my idea was to go in completely dry. Like, don't think about it. Oh, yeah. Don't listen to the records. Right. There's a thousand fucking lyrics to memorize. And, and, and I just sent, you know, a list of all the songs that I thought could work. And, you know, we certainly weren't doing just over the James. We were picking from everything. Yeah. And we were going to play, you know, 25 songs or whatever. Man, they started playing. Like, I walked in there and they started playing. We didn't even really say hi. It was just like, hey. And then... <laughs> And then whoever started the first song, I think it was Joe, the guitar player, started the first song, and and I think it was Southbound '95, and I I couldn't believe it. Yes, it was hard. Like it was hard to find my breaths because I'd lost control. If the drums are at this tempo, right? You know, like I well, yeah, I can't find my breath because that's how fast the song is, and I can't slow it down. I can't change what song is next, even though. I'm tearing my voice up because of the set list, as you said. It's like, sure. so here I was like on this wild ride, but I didn't drop any lyrics. I couldn't wow. believe it. And those dudes sounded fucking gangster. Yeah, I couldn't even <laughs> believe it. It was like, like wow. we finished and I was wore out and, and, uh, but proud. But that makes and, you smile and though. And that, guys, that makes and you feel right. Really sound, those right? guys sounded great. Like yeah. at that moment, well, you know, this is the right thing to do. You know, like it feels good. That's what it's all about. Exactly. And you know what? This is way out. This is way before we announced. This is way before everything. Yeah. Because when we had a meeting, it was decided that the idea of doing some shows is worth pursuing. But we can't do the shows if we can't play great. So this is like way, way before I even reached out to management before we really set a plan in place. And that was like the urgency was like, don't even bother if this sucks. And I could tell right three songs in that the it was totally going to work. And awesome. 
it was really exciting. And the shows awesome. are fantastic. And, um, yeah. You know, you know we're very lucky. We're lucky looking... because it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to do that. And we're, I'm thankful for it. Awesome. I was looking at your set list, and I noticed that you didn't play any songs from the last two records, the Fat Records records. And I was surprised why. Uh, it was just a collective thing. Those aren't our favorite records. Interesting. I think, I think we feel like we peaked. We also didn't play anything. Maybe we did. Well, I think we played one song from the first record. Yeah. It's called Satiate. But yep. um, well, I think that we thought that we, you know, there's only so much time. And the, 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 the songs that most people like are from Dixie, mm-hmm. over the, or 4 a.m. Friday and Over the James. Um, and I think that life for us was so turbulent uh, during the records that you're referring to, which yep. is called One Wrench and um, yep. and whatever the fucking um, front porch stories. I think our life was so turb- turbulent, like intertwined, uh, like, you know, as a band. They think it's almost like kind of left a bad taste. Yeah, I, and that was my question I had written right here was that. And, you know, it's just interesting because – I kind of want to, you know, use the segue into sort of the demise of the band the first time. And, you know, I remember hearing about Avail, but living in Canada, being you guys are on like Lookout Records or something, like it wasn't easy to get your records. Like I had to mail order them and stuff. Um, but then something like Fat Records, that was like the biggest punk label, you know? And yeah. when I found out you guys had signed, I believe I had, I think you guys did like a Fat Records, like seven inch of the month or something like that. Probably something like that. I think it was that, and I got like a song on that or whatever, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" And then One Wrench came out, and I was like, "Oh, this band is awesome!" And I went back and I kind of discovered all your stuff. But you know, I feel like a lot of people did that because Fat Records was this powerhouse. Although I feel like you got there like just too late. Yeah, I could see that. Well, you know, also the music wasn't. I think here's something that I think is important when 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 talking to me at all is that I'm analytical of my past and I really like, um, like, I don't know. I don't know what the word would be. I always think life is like, it's like a maze of phases mm-hmm. and, and, um, I've been through a lot of them. Um, and I ended up back to, to what I, how I grew up. Right. And avail in a lot of ways, and this is lead singer bullshit is that <laughs> is that we you start answer, answering to the public right like you're answering to your peers like when you're playing music it's like if you're the singer of a band you like you have to answer to the actions of every person in that band there's a lot of pressure on you even for yep. a small band like Avail um and when Avail signed a fad it was really close to this peak of like punker than thou shit talking, um, you know, like a lot of judgments thrown around about people and this and that, and who's a sellout and who's doing the right thing. Who's doing the right, wrong thing. And like in the, the phase that I was in, in my life, then I cared. Like, I don't give a fuck now. I got no one to answer to, but my daughter's, and and I do them right, and I always will. But I think the we got there was a backlash with the fat thing, and I think we thought it would be a good idea to to, to when they everybody thinks that we're going to turn into a pop punk band, 
that we do our heaviest record. Right. And I think because we were pushing for really heavy songs, we weren't like writing with as much heart as we normally would. That makes sense. And, yeah. and, and so here's this record that comes out on Fat Records, which is a notorious uh, poppier record label with like a really – you know a sound that was very specific and here comes this like not well produced fast as fuck really sad lyrics um song and i'm not sure that we showed up at fat late i think the record was sort of like alienating to sure that's typical fans um and yeah. you know you can always tell when you get on stage and the songs are kind of a struggle to play right. it's like instantly i could tell like oh this is really not our best shit. But living in the moment, you don't really know that. You're right. just like trying to trying to get right. through that shitty fucking warp tour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did that was that did that lead to your demise? What year did you do warp tour? I don't know. I can't okay. remember. And we never did the whole thing. But yeah. listen, Avail is we're just a utter sack of shit. So we're just like doing the fucking tour in a 1994 Econoline with a trailer and like uh, where other bands are like waking up in buses. We're like waking up in this van with flies buzzing around our mouths in the baking <laughs> sun of a fucking Texas uh, field yeah. racing to the bathroom, like the porta potties before everybody else uses them. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Yep. It's, uh, um, I know it. I know it well, man. It's that's the thing. Warp tour. If you do it in a van, you're pretty much either going to break up or die. One of the two. I used to always say that about your first tour in Europe, especially before <laughs> technology, because every everyone's first tour in Europe is five weeks, and, then, <laughs> and then you're, playing, you're playing squats and youth centers, and and you know the food's good at first, and then you're like, oh my god, how much bread and cheese can I eat? And then and then everybody <laughs> breaks up. If you can make it through Europe you, without breaking up, you're never going to break up. And then Warp Tour is a fantastic example too, <laughs> <laughs> where good bands go to die. So um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about your solo stuff real quick. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you probably got lots of nothing to do. Um, hmm. But one thing I always thought was really interesting about your solo stuff was that you never used a veil as a vehicle for it. And it's really, really typical for you know, the the punk singer to go do the solo stuff and, you know, and ends up doing a majority of that stuff um, kind of their whole career. But you don't really play any of Ale's songs. I think I heard you play one once. Thank you for recognizing that um, because it was a, it took a lot of work for me to erase the, the Avail um, tag on yeah. to my name. Um not publicly, but but um, but with venues, because I didn't hear first and foremost, I didn't want to mislead anybody. So I didn't want a venue to announce that Tim Barry from Avail was playing because that implies it, Avail songs are going to be performed. It implies Avail. Uh, this is also like not to say that I was ahead of the game, but like this is also before the whole like fad of singers playing acoustic guitars. Singers of punk bands playing acoustic guitars really took off. You know, there wasn't really a lot of people doing it when I, yeah. I mean, my first show was 2003, 2004, the first advertised show, January 2004. 
is my first show. So this is well uh, above the curve, ahead of the curve. But and I don't say that in a, a pretentious way. It's just just that's just how it happened. But yeah, I I didn't want to mislead people, and then they kept attaching it. And then as singers and from punk bands were picking up the acoustic guitar and playing bar chords and screaming their songs that were written not for that format. Right. Like everybody was so-and-so from so-and-so, so-and-so right. from so-and-so. And here I am, I'm playing folk music. Like the songs are written on acoustic guitar. They're not available songs. And, and that's that. Um, so I do appreciate you noticing that. And, and if you, if you spend time on a road with me, you'll learn pretty quickly that like, the people who enjoy my music are not Avail fans. No, Some that, are, that's what I've like heard too. Yeah. There's a minority of them that are, that have kind of grown. We've all grown up together with music, but it's, you know, it's many of them have no idea about Avail. And a girlfriend of mine from Georgia said it best. She's like, it doesn't even sound like you. And, and she, when she listened to Avail, she's like, the first time she listened to it, she's like, it doesn't sound because she knows me, right? Not that phase that I was in when I was in a veil. It's um, very interesting, yeah. But but, but congratulations but, but, on but, that because that's hard to carve out. It's hard to be successful, um, you know. And and I think that just speaks to your prowess of being a great songwriter, storyteller. Uh, you know, and that's that's what you do best. Well, I appreciate that. I love it. Like it. And let me just say this real, real quick. Yeah. Is is that? So when a veil started kind of puttering out, I I didn't feel any energy from the shows. Like something I love about punk is like when I was a kid and I'd go to punk or metal shows or whatever. It's like that that on the edge fright of like what's just about to happen on right. the dance floor or on that stage. Like it was unexplainable. And I felt that way with playing music live with a veil. And in the end, it was just like, just didn't feel anything at all. And, and that's tragic. And that's enough for someone to, to stop. But you know, what's fucking scary going onto a, a little stage in 2004 <laughs> With a fucking piece of shit ninety dollar acoustic guitar and a busted ass SM fifty eight microphone, and not being a good singer and not being a good guitar player and trying to fucking play songs for the thirty people there, like that's fucking real, yeah, scary. And that felt so good, and I was so bad, like so awful at it that I was like, it was almost like I didn't consciously say like I have to learn how to do this, but I think it was the fear. That, that energized me again. Like it was that still on the edge and um, I just never stopped doing it. But you must have wanted to do that. I mean, you must have had a goal in mind, whether it's, whether it's to be a working musician, whether it's to get better at that part of playing guitar and singing um, or, I mean, you must have maybe some roots in folk music that you just love that style. Like what was it that well, yeah, made you, compelled you to do that? definitely roots in folk music like i grew up with folk and yeah. country and like southern rock and and classical music which is mostly what i listen to these days but um although tyler childers jesus christ he is that man he's i've been listening to a lot of tyler childers okay but um but um uh, uh i lost my train of thought um 
I don't know. Truthfully, the, so the, the music was, was was second nature. Like it, 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 it's just how I've always approached things with writing. But I really, I never decided one day like I want to be a folk singer <laughs> and live off of this. You know, like a folk rock singer. You know, like it, I never said one day you know what i'm saying like i remember when i realized i was living on i don't know what compels me to play music i don't know why i don't know why i'm constantly in motion i think my friend laura said it one day she said you're a lifer right she's also a lifer and i should have said that right back but like she's like you're a lifer and i was like because i keep saying i think i said to her um you know the new the notes to my new record are like the third record in a row that they say new songs for last record. And it's laughable because for the last three records, Mm -hmm. that's been the working title. And so I've never chosen to do this. Like, and I'm so burnt out on traveling. I can't even express it to you. Right. It's like, it's, I'm so, I've been traveling for 25 years. Um, and, uh, but so I don't know what compels me to what's ever compelled me to do this. And, you know, financially there's peaks and valleys. Yeah. I, again, like I still do everything myself. Um, it's, you know, every two years I go with all in with my money to put out a record and then hope that I get the money back, you know, when yeah. I start playing shows. And I mean, this is, this is a very strange time to be in that sort of like all in. <laughs> and I maybe got like four shows of all of my scheduled shows out of an entire year of touring. So we'll see what happens with me, but I'll always be fine. But, um, but yeah, no, I don't know why I do it. Well, you said, I know why you do it. I I know why you do it because when you start talking about it, you say, I love it. I mean, you say that, I mean, that's the first thing you said. You said, I love it. And that's, that's all it (laughs) takes, man. You're right. You're right. <laughs> See, I learned something new today. There you go. So I have one. I have a fan question, and I'll let you go. This is from Neil Anglin. He's a member of of the All Access Club and a very big fan of yours. He asks you, um, "Has he ever thought about writing a book about his train hopping adventures?" I am incredibly fascinated with the idea that he used to hop trains and end up in a new town and stay there for a certain amount of time. Also, tell him. I have a case of beer and a seat on my boat if he ever wants to come fishing in Norfolk. Oh, well, so there damn, you go. Because that, that's funny because I just opened a beer. Um, <laughs> you know, and fishing in Norfolk, that sounds great. Norfolk, Virginia or Norfolk, England. Uh, <laughs> I'll come to yes, Virginia. <laughs> it is Virginia. It is Virginia, yeah. I'll just float down the James and meet you at the Chesapeake. Um, uh, um, uh, you, you, people have encouraged me to, to – outside of music, I've been encouraged a lot – to um do a photo book right um and for whatever reason well my mom always says you take great pictures and i always say mom i don't take the pictures i don't go out to take pictures i just take them when i'm out and she understands that and i hope other people do too that's not they're not intentional it's my normal life if you um uh, and I have been encouraged for many years to write a book, but I'm not a good writer. I'm not. Um, I don't believe that. Well, I don't know how to write. Well, I, I um, think maybe maybe you just need someone to help you. I don't know. Like, well, like I, I don't know. How to, I don't have an editor. I don't know even right. know. I don't know anything about it. I love to read books, <laughs> but like 
I mean, you got to understand, I barely made it out of high school. I could barely, I mean, I don't think I read a book until I was 23 years old. I mean, I, was, I, I still, you know, I'm a speller. I don't understand paragraph structures. I don't understand. Like, I just, I'm just not, like, educated enough to write a book. Hmm. Um, but yeah, but there's, there. I mean, I'm sure that with an editor, you can do anything. And, you know, so all through the avail years, starting in 1993, I kept a yearly journal on the road. Wow. And so the people and they're public, they're not written, they're not private. Like people come over and pop them open and look at the pictures and the articles and, and read the, the, cause they're just like, it's like a newspaper. It's not like a, really intimate it's not opinionated right, it's just like right. here's what we did today this morning roly polies fell out of richard's socks when he took his boots <laughs> off because he slept with them on you know like that kind of stuff but um um so because of those journals you know people looking at those and then train ride like riding freight trains and stuff like that and you know there's i'm blessed i'm very lucky to have had a a really like it doesn't seem interesting to me because it's my life, but I guess to a lot of people, my life has been pretty interesting. But, but, um, train riding, like, there's like levels to it, like music, <laughs> and and it, and there's clicks to it, like music. And there's like, I have a record out called 40 Miler, and and that's in the train world, that's like calling myself a poser. Oh, okay. Um, so I would love to write about my freight train riding, but really like for like real train riders, like my shit's pretty amateur. Like my <laughs> adventures, my adventures, you could call me a, a weekend hobo right? <laughs> because, because I always had a house, you know, like I would, I could go out and ride trains in between avail tours if I wasn't working and then come back and go back out on tour. Um, so it's a, it's a little different, but, right. but yeah, with the encouragement, if somebody presented, had approached me as an editor that I trusted, well, I, you got I, some, I would do a book. You might have some, some time. Well, you definitely have some time and you might have a lot of time. So, Hey, just throwing it out there. I mean, if you can get up on stage <laughs> with a $90 acoustic guitar and a broken SM58 and you can make that work. Hey, yeah, maybe you're you right. can put pen to paper and make something work too, man. So You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, dude, hey, I, I'll let you go. I really appreciate all this time you've taken with me today, and uh, I hope that the rest of your corona experience isn't too terrible. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's just take care of each other and and listen listen to each other and let's get through this. Absolutely. I hope, I hope that you, you you come out well as also and all the people you're around. For sure. Can I play a Tim Berry song for the people? Um, do you have a favorite or something you want everyone to hear? No. <laughs> no. You anything you anything I want? A, you can play a song. Uh, what, what would work? What would work for today? Put, put, well, we're talking about trains and, and, and things are pretty hectic right now. So put on um, Church of Level track. Okay. Church of Level track. On, Here it is. It's on Rivanna Junction. All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for this, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for getting my mind off this shit for a little bit, man. Take care of yourself. Stock you too. up. It's just getting buck wild. All right, man. Take care, Tim. All Thank right, you. Bye-bye. Bye now. So there it is with Mr. Tim Barry. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to speak with me. And also, I want to thank you for tuning in. Yes, go back. Check out the other 200-plus episodes that I have out and make sure you're subscribed for all the great podcasts that I have 
coming up and check out the lead singer syndrome all access club if you are so inclined the link again is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access and I will be back next Wednesday once again with another great episode check it out check it out stay safe do the right thing okay I'll leave you with a tune here it is Tim Berry with Church of Level Track on Lead Singer Syndrome peace and love I'll see you next time I was drunk as hell with a friend way back down by Scott's Edition off a mainline track. He said what was on his mind like I'd never heard it. Then in come this train called the 170. Heard it air up and felt it pull. They say that rain on a face cuts when you deserve it And I sat and I thought All that ain't right is over for at least tonight And if I die trying now I won't die wondering how life could have turned out Time down past Rocky Mount on that old seaboard line. My friend just slept, and I sat there silent. I had some whiskey and some smokes, and time to think it all out. It made sense this whole heading south. Sometimes it's best to slow your pace when you can't control it. And I sat. Is over for at least tonight And if I die trying now I won't die wondering How life could have turned out